welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. We began last week sharing on the vision for 2024, which as you know is we're talking about and focusing on love and serve. Those two words, love and serve. I want to today talk to you about an aspect of love that involves our faith. And our topic today is growing faith and abounding love. Say thank you, Lord. My faith is growing and my love is abounding. Amen. We're going to take our first scripture today, our main scripture for this message, which is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. If you can see the screen, read with me. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceeding, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. That's a blessing, isn't it? And we're going to talk about how faith and love work together. I want to focus on the faith part today because we live in a time of great challenge, great opportunities, great distractions. Everything is magnified, seem like, you know, in our weather, in our in our in our community and politics. There's a magnification of everything. It's almost like, you know, good people are doing better. Bad folks are doing worse seem like, but there is a decision we can make to live in a certain way to get into the blessing of God, get into the favor of God, get into the best that God has for you. You know, God has a plan for you and a plan for me, a plan for all of us. And part of the plan is to help us understand how our faith grows. Now, there there are two types of faith. There's two things that faith represents. I mean, let's ask the question, what does growing faith look like? Because people tend to say two things. They say, I have faith, I got love. And never stop to examine it. We assume we have faith in God. Well, we think we have, we may have, but do we? Really? Let's see what the Bible says about that. Now, your faith is two things. First of all, faith is what you believe based on God's word. What do you believe? That's called the faith. Then there is acting on the on God's word and promises. So then when you say the faith, you're talking about, okay, here's what I believe about Christ, about the Bible, about the Holy Spirit, doctrine, if you will. But then there is the part of faith where you have you have faith in God. So you're trusting God for some blessing, for some healing, for some breakthrough. And so then you recognize, okay, I need faith, my faith to work based on God's word to get something done. All right, so two, faith is two things, what you believe and acting on the word. Let's first address this matter of what we believe. I'm gonna look here at Jude, verse three. Now Jude is one chapter long, so you can't, it's not Jude chapter one, it's just Jude, okay? So Jude, and here's a, on the screen there, it says here, beloved, while I was very diligent, to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend 
earnestly for the faith. Say the faith. That was once for all delivered to the saints. So then Jesus Christ came with a message, with hope, with salvation. And the apostles he appointed were then sent by him to teach and preach and to establish that faith so that people know what they believe, how to trust God, how to have victory in life. So he's saying here that um, it was necessary to write to ask you, exhort you to contend. Now, contend means you have to do something to work for it, to make it not, not work for it like God didn't give it to me, but work in a sense of maintaining it. Going on, he says this, verse four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out uh, for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness, which is, you know, doing weird, crazy, bad stuff, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you think that the church just has problems today? There have been problems every day, somewhere, for centuries. So we're in a world, y'all, where people, of course, have free will. People can decide to believe or not believe something. It's their right and prerogative. So then it's important then when you are a Christ follower to know what you believe, to know what the faith, what the foundation looks like, and then to be able to have active faith to trust God to bless you when you need it. So Jude is writing here saying, you know, he was aware of problems in that region and found it necessary to say, look, y'all, contend earnestly for the faith, meaning that be clear about what you believe. Be clear about what the Bible teaches, what Christ taught, because the thing is, I'll say this, it's a point coming uh, later, I'll say it now. If you know the truth, nobody can lie to you. Amen. What did I say? If you know, you know the, the truth, truth, nobody can lie to you. Amen. Amen. So then, contend for the faith. Now, you don't have to work to have it, God gave it to you. But once you receive it, you have to guard it. You know how it is, we all have been to school and we've had education, classes and learning and all that, degrees and all the rest. You know how it is that even though you were in that training, in those classes, you still have to fight in yourself to maintain what you learned. You have to exercise the knowledge, do things with it so you don't forget it and lose it. Because if you don't use something, what happens? You lose it. They don't lose your faith like that, but you may become unclear about what the faith is. So, for example, today people are saying things like, well, you know, Jesus Christ really wasn't God. You know, that was people saying it now. They said it then. In fact, the reason he wrote this letter was because of that very fact. There was even early on in the in the church, people talking about, well, Jesus Christ, he's just a prophet, just a good man, all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, it's amazing to me those things are still going around today. He says that people crept in unnoticed. Interesting. Came in among the congregations and began to kind of, you know, spread these, these uh, untruths. And so he's saying, look, y'all, contend for the faith, which looks like, looks like you spend time reading the word, spend time in prayer, stay close to your leaders and mentors. And also it applies in other areas of life. Think about we're raising children. I've raised four children and they're all grown and doing well. I have uh, three grandchildren, as my wife said. 
But boy, you have to really contend for your children's attention and minds and influence. You gotta be continuing to help them understand and differentiate between now this, this is light and that's darkness. You know, <laughs> this is good and this is not so good. But, but yet you don't do it in a way where you, you, you make decisions for them. You train your children how to make the good decisions. Amen. Amen. So you contend for the faith in the sense that you contend to help them become the kind of people God ordained them to be. Amen. And it's not easy, y'all. You just can't sit back and hope it happens. You can't send them off to school thinking school's going to do it. School might mess them up. If you're not paying attention, amen, somebody? <laughs> I mean, people creep in in schools and bring all kinds of stuff in that is not good for your children. All right. So then understand that contend earnestly for the faith. So here's the statement I'll make to you. Next slide. A firm foundation in life requires understanding of the core principles of being a Christ follower. Cults and false Christian movements capitalize on the ignorance of church people. Again, said earlier, when you know the truth, no one can lie to you. Now, we don't make doctrine, we don't put doctrine above, you know, walking in love and, you know, being good to people. But at some point, you can't get away from the fact of what do you really believe? What do you say about this? What's your, what does the Bible say about this, that, or the other? What is, what is, what is the, the foundation, you know, to, to good health and, and proper thinking and family and all this. Well, the word of God addresses that and wisdom of life addresses that. Let me give you some examples of this. I'm gonna get into something here called, it's not, this is called Nicene Creed. Now I've got some handouts. Uh, there is some sheets of paper on my, Mr. Corey, on my table there. The, the, have the ushers pass those out. I wanna share with you something that was developed a long time ago because it's not the first time that we have, the church has had to look at what is being said, what is being believed and address it. And some little background I'll give you here on this, on this, this statement. Now, Nicene just refers to a place called Nicaea. It's a place in modern Turkey where in the year AD 300 thereabout, a lot of ministers and pastors and bishops gathered to talk about the problems they were experiencing in the churches, as Jude talked about. And I'm gonna make this concise, we'll get deep, do deeper dive on it in a Bible study at some point, but I wanna share with you that in terms, of, in terms of context and background, that there was a need for leaders to come together to discuss these issues and to get into why, why are people some believers getting distracted, misled. And so the Nicene Creed, here's a slide here for you. I'll read through it quickly. This is a statement of faith developed by the early Christian church in opposition to false teachings, which disturbed the church during the fourth century concerning the doctrine of the Trinity and the assertion that Jesus, that Christ is not divine. And the question was, was Jesus a created being, or was he pre-existent with God? Councils of leaders met to discuss, debate, draft, and adopt a concise statement of faith. Councils occurred in AD 325, 381, uh, 451, and 589. These are you know, a long, long time ago. And this to show you how 
you know, people who are Christ followers and leaders and preachers are very serious about trying to help people understand the firm foundation. Because if the foundation is not firm, you can't build on it. If the foundation is not strong, you can be kind of misdirected and led astray. And so all of us as leaders, Christian leaders, Christ followers need to take some time and examine truths and foundational things so that we can help our children, our friends, whoever we have to help, who has a concern, a question about who is God. Now, Nicene Creed dealt mainly with Jesus Christ because the controversy was, again, that Jesus was created so that the, the thought was then and sometimes now that when Jesus Christ came to the world, that's what that's when Jesus Christ began to exist. He wasn't he was not existing until he was born. But the Bible says that <laughs> clearly in the beginning, you know, was the word Word was with God, where it was God. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. So then he wasn't created. He already existed. He was born from preexistence. So that's theological stuff. But understand that these are questions that maybe you don't have, but people have questions today about this. It was a big controversy at the time these councils met. So they met to, to come together to pray. There's 300 of them and their assistants, I've read in history, a thousand people could have gathered. And also a lot of North African, by the way, a lot of the church fathers were North Africans, all right? Very few Europeans would have been here, okay? These were mainly Eastern people and North Africans, okay? Um, and, and so that the church, you know, we have these old pictures. You know, you've seen the pictures before. Just, you know, people, I'll say this, people want to see Christ in their own image. I get that. So that's why you got, you know, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus, okay? Because that's their view. But historically... You don't grow up, you know, in North Africa, Israel, and come out, amen, somebody. You're going to get a tan. You're going to, you know, you're going to look like y'all look. You know what I'm saying? Somewhat. <laughs> more, like, more like what y'all look like, okay? But again, uh, when the Roman Catholic Church got a hold of this, they created a whole image, you know, that's not really what it was. But the Council of Nicene was a diverse group of, of people. Uh, men, mainly men, and they were from North Africa and from Turkey and all around there, some from Europe, yes, but it wasn't, it wasn't controlled by Europeans then. The point, though, here is that this council met, and they did uh, meet on several occasions to work on the statement, resolve the statement, I mean, refine the statement. So in your hand, you have the statement. I want you to read it with me. I'll read it and comment on it, okay? Have, uh, take that with you, what I gave you. It's amazing all that time they spent, they came up with this statement. And I like it because it is concise. You know how it is in life. When you really do good work, you'll spend a lot of time to produce what seems to be a very short piece of work. But it just shows you how, how much goes in to getting anything done. All right, so here it says this. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. Now, one God, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, not three gods, one God. These three are one. Just like you have a spirit, a soul, and a body, you're not three, three people, you're one, you're one entity 
with three parts. So, so God is three persons, but one God. The Bible says two things. The Bible says there's one God. The Bible says Father is God. Jesus Christ is God. Holy Spirit is God. One conclusion is these three are one. Now, don't try to figure things out in your mind only, but to understand that when there are statements made, one conclusion can only be the, the, these three are the one God. So it says this, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, watch these words here, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Good words. Being the one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. I was involved, I was listening to a podcast a couple of years ago. People were talking and they got around to Jesus. Somebody said, well, Jesus Christ is not God. Other folks say, amen, he's not God. Like, oh man, enough of this podcast. I'm moving on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> but there are people who believe that. Uh, for example, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they say that Jesus Christ is not God. He's just the son of God. They say, well, because, because he is the son, he's not God. Uh, is, is, is Taysom here somewhere? Is Taysom your son? Okay. He must be less than human then. If he's your, your son. See, they're saying Jesus Christ is less than God because he's son of God. No, it means our children are less than human by being a child or a daughter or a son. No, silly. The very fact that you're born of someone, you have the essence Amen. of that person in you. Amen. 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 Jesus Christ is holy God and holy man. I mean, holy like W-H-O completely, okay? It goes on to say this. Next point. Who... For us, um, men of our, for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. Meaning that he was conceived in the womb of Mary. Mary did not have relations with her husband to be Joseph. Holy Spirit supernaturally conceived Christ in Mary's womb. Our end was made and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, living, quick means living, and the dead, whose kingdom shall uh, have no end. Then it says, next point, and where I believe in the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life. Holy Spirit is God too. Father's God, Christ is God, Holy Spirit is God. So he says, who uh, in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. Now, Jesus Christ, you notice in scripture, was often worshiped. He never said, don't worship me because he was God. In fact, Jesus Christ was crucified for claiming to be God. That was the basis of the Jews crucifying him back then. You, know, you being a man claimed to be God. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. That triggered them. 
because I am was God's name. <laughs> Before Abraham was, I, not I was, I am. Okay, let me go on here. Goes on and says, last part of this says, um, I believe in the Holy Catholic. Now, Catholic means universal, not Roman Catholic Church. I believe in the Holy Catholic or universal and apostolic church. That apostolic meaning that it, it was it came forth from Jesus. And then the apostles were the ones who spread the gospel and laid foundation. All right. Not apostolic church, Inc. All right. Incorporated. I'm talking about, you know, Catholic universal apostolic as being from Christ through apostles who wrote scripture that we read every day. All right. I acknowledge one baptism for remission of sin. Now, water bat. He said one baptism is not in water. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Now, listen, the Bible talks about three baptisms. First, it says you're baptized by the spirit into one body. That's Christ. Then you're baptized in the water symbolizing what just happened. Then you're baptized into the Holy Spirit for power. So which baptism saves you? Is it the water or Holy Spirit in filling? No, it's when the spirit puts you in Jesus. When you are placed into Christ, baptized, baptized means it means to to bury. It means to put into That's all it means. And so it says here. So then I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, not the water. Water doesn't save you. The old saying is, if you <laughs> if you have received Christ before water, you you are up, you, you go down uh, a dry devil. And come up a wet devil. <laughs> the water won't do it. Okay. And I've been that devil. Okay. <laughs> Baptize me. Come back up. Go find a reefer. You know what I'm saying? So, all right. No, you need to be changed. You need to, to have Christ, Holy Spirit, baptize you into Christ. Change your heart. Take, a, take, take the old heart out and give you a new heart. That's what being born again is. Okay. So that's the statement, very concise statement, Nicene Creed. Uh, this church, we acknowledge that creed, and it's, it's a very concise statement, a very good uh, foundational statement. So, uh, so then the faith refers to what you believe. That's a, a summary. All right, next point here. Now, growing faith requires freedom from hindrances, okay? Give me that bag, uh, Mr. Corey, that bag over there, amen. All right. Now, growing faith requires freedom from hindrances. Galatians chapter five, verse one. Read with me. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Wow. So then talking to believers now, stand fast in the liberty that Jesus gave you and don't be entangled again saying that we were all entangled <laughs> before coming to Christ. Don't be entangled again. Now, in context, Paul was talking about how sometimes there were Christians going back under Judaism. You got grown men being circumcised, stuff like that. It was a big mess, okay? Think saying that you got to do this, do that. No, you don't. No, not now. So don't get, now, but in our context, in our day, it's somewhat different. Let me give it to you this way. Now, I have in this bag, um, 
Well, next slide first. Now go to my bag, okay? All right, so do not become entangled. Say, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. not to become entangled again. Now, entanglement starts with slack and looseness, right? All right, in this bag, I've got an example for you, okay? You ready for this? What's in this bag? You got no idea, do you? Okay, all right. Here's what entanglement looks like. You know, sometimes you need a cord for your phone, for whatever computer. You go to the bag, you come out, it looks like this here. Y'all been there? I need my headphone. Uh, let's see, headphones here somewhere. All up in here, you know what I'm saying? And then I need a, a, a charging cable. And so I got this one here and it's all up in here. And here we go. And I got to, so this, so this is entanglement, right? And I'll show you this because sometimes this is what we look like. When we kind of, next point on the slide here says, we, uh, it says entanglement often starts with slack and looseness, not paying attention to the health of our heart, mind, and body. And this health and well in Sunday, so obviously we can be entangled, you know, with, in our, with things or in our health or in our minds, our emotions. So next point is we allow too many non-essential things to come into our lives creating entanglement and bondage. So you know how it works. What you want to do is take some time before you need stuff. Take a little time and just sort things out. I mean, see this not just in cables, but see this in your mind, in your emotions, in your health. Just sort some things out, amen? Sort some things out. We know we can do better in our diet, in all kinds of things, amen? Sort some things out, and something you sort out, you might as well get rid of it, you know, while you're sorting it out. Just, just lose that one. <laughs> just get rid of that piece. You know, and so you take a little time and just, you know, just get things in an order where you can, you can use them. And then when you go to your bag, or go to your mind, or go to your feelings, things aren't entangled. You know, it's this, or it's this one, or it's that one, and you know what you're looking at. I mean, that's a parable, right? That we need to just, you know, don't, Paul said, don't be entangled again. Again, talking to believers, recognizing at one point we were all entangled and couldn't, could not untangle ourselves. So Jesus got us untangled. Holy Spirit just helped us get sorted out. Don't go back in there. I told you years ago, we had testimony service in my, my granddad's church, my father's uh, father and my granddad, my mentor. And, uh, and so testimony is going forth and uh, a person got up there and just started going, going and going and going and going. Now, listen, y'all, testimony should be what Jesus did for you. Don't give us the whole sordid past. You know, so anyway, he, she was going up there and a voice said, don't go back, sister. Don't go back. <laughs> Don't go back. Don't go back. Because there's too much detail. It was too much information. Amen. That was too much information. And so, so the testimony needs to be, what did Jesus do? 
get to the point. We all, we all were entangled. And so the point is, obviously, do not become entangled again. Say, Lord, help me. Not become entangled. All right. Now, here's the love connection. Faith works by love. Galatians chapter five, verse six says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Now, religion is interesting. I was in the bookstore looking for a Bible for my dad, a large print Bible, and I found one. <laughs> Wasn't big enough print. So I, I got to find a giant print Bible. He wants a giant print, so I, I get you a giant print. They, 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 they make those now. I'm a, I, mean, I mean, giant print. Okay, so I'll get him one of those, okay? But I thought this, um, in, in religion, uh, the Bibles were in a section called religion. It wasn't like about here's Jesus and here's Confucius and here's Islam. No, it's just one section at, you know, at the Barnes Noble bookstore because in their mind, it's all religion. Well, in our mind, it's not all religion. There's religion, there's relationship. Big difference. I don't have religion. I got a relationship with Jesus Christ, relationship. That is, religion is like, I'm going to do this and do that and the other, and God's going to accept me based on that. That's not the way it works. Because the problem with religion is, and the law is, if you're going to live that way, you must do every single thing correct. Because the one thing you mess up on, you condemn yourself for everything. But in grace, it's a free gift. So, so Christ, God through Christ gives us a new life. We have salvation, we are saved. And so if you make a mistake, you don't become unsaved. God continues to help us grow and become stronger. That's how you know you're really walking with God when you feel it's called conviction. Amen. Well, you, you know, this, I, this is not right what I did. Now, before I got saved, man, it was wrong. I knew it was right. You hear what I said? <laughs> it was wrong and I knew it was right because <laughs> I did it. Everything I did had to be right. I couldn't be wrong. Thank God I'm saved. Amen. I was a mess, y'all, before I got saved. Yeah, you had no idea. You had no idea. Thank God. I don't have an idea either. I'm past that. But here's the thing about it. So then in Christ, religion, circumcision, religion avails nothing. He says, but faith working through love. And that's important because next slide here says, so, so the two most important factors to be to an authentic and fruitful life in Christ is faith and love. Because we cannot say we have faith and love. It is only as real as we practice it. So, you know, just saying I have faith, it's like saying, you know, I am a, I'm a master gardener. Okay, let's go to your house and see your garden. See your yard. I mean, if you are, have a green thumb, all your stuff, it looks good. So, you know, talk is cheap, always has been, always will be. So then the key here is not what we say, it's what we do. I had a mentor, Elder Murph, um, T.R. Murph, said to me, I was trying to teach him something, you know, and what I was thinking. And he, <laughs> he helped me out, you know, he just listened to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all right. What's that scripture say? Mm, about this one, and about this one. I said, oh God, and I began crying. I was trying to teach him 
I had no idea what I was saying. He, he began to show me scripture, and I became convicted. Thank God he helped me out. And, and so, so he said things like, he said, now listen, son, talking about, talking about baptism and things of God. It's not a ceremony. It's a duomony. Made up word, right? Not a ceremony. Faith isn't a ceremony. It's a duomony. It's what you do that manifests what's in you. That a tree is known by what? It's words? It's fruit. So that's why don't get, don't get into, into talking and saying a lot because we, gonna, we all won't see what you're about. It'll be evident what we're about just by our actions. Now, James 1, look at this. All right, James said, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For, any, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's like getting up. I mean, it's plain talk. You're like, get up, look in the mirror, and your hair, and your head not right, you know. Then comb your hair. Now, today, I think that's the style, you know, but, but, but back in the day, though, we actually tried to do something. So his, but it's like seeing yourself in the mirror, or whether it's, you know, maybe your face, you got, you got stuff on your face, whatever. You see yourself in the mirror and you go your way and forget what you saw. That's what it's like to be a person just hearing the word, not doing it. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, the perfect law of liberty is actually love. Because God loved the world, so he did what? He gave his son. So there's no liberty without God's love that acted on our behalf. So he's saying to us here, when you're a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, you understand that God gave me this, this message, this word, whatever, sermon, because he loves me. He corrects me because he loves me. We, we, again, raising children. I see uh, Titus and uh, Janelle here, and they're raising now two children, two children. Amen. <laughs> wow. Praise God. And, uh, you know, and of course, the, the oldest one now is having to be taught. Amen. And but see, it's love that makes you say this or the other. Or like I told you when, you know, I got in trouble at school, my mother's instruction was call me. She's two blocks away. Back, listen, we had a hundred, almost a hundred schools when I was in school in IPS. I went to school number one. And two, you were within two blocks of a school, two or three blocks. And so my mom was stay-at-home mom. She would walk up that little hill, come see me. Because the instruction was, call me. And so they, she, so she up in the room, come up in the room, and, and called me out the room in front of everybody. Didn't spank me, just said, "Wait till your father gets home." I'm like, mm, "Spank me, hit me, spank me now," you know. So anyway, but all I'm saying is, but it was love that gave the instruction. If 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 Brian messed up, you call me, and I'll deal with him, and then his father would deal with him. You know, <laughs> I'll take him high, you take him low, you know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> now, it may seem harsh, but that would, love will go there, y'all. 
the perfect law of liberty, y'all, is, is you're going to be free. We're going we're to set you free. <laughs> it may be words. It may be some other way of dealing with you. But the ideal is to set you free. And that, be, that comes by being a doer of the word. And love is what gave the word. And the word produces faith in us. It's amazing how this, this I mean, I will explore it more later. But it's amazing how this connection of love and faith goes together. It's more than I can say today. But understand that love is the basis of everything God does. And we as parents and people who love people, it's all about we, we love people. We have faith in God and our faith works by love. Last slide. James 2 and 3. Again, we just read James 1. Here's James 2. So if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. So the motivation to everything we do should be that we love God. We love our neighbor. Of course, our ministry theme is loving God, loving people, serving the world. I want you to let that ring and resonate on the inside of you as you consider growing faith and abounding love that let's be established in the faith. That is what we believe. Let's be clear about that. And let's also have active faith to, to trust God for miracles and breakthroughs and blessings. You know, uh, it's just amazing to look out here and, and see you. I've known you for a long time, many of you. And uh, of course, I see, of course, again, Tyson's nail and there's there's Taysom, the miracle baby, and there's, there's Janelle, the miracle baby, you know. You know, we got memory. I mean, I've been around a long time, y'all, you know. And, and it was a time when Janelle had to have a surgery, amen. And she came through just fine, you know. And now Taysom had a little procedure. He's fine because we serve a fine God, a God who takes care of us, amen. A God who never fails, amen. So, church, let your faith grow. Let it be said, as we read in our opening scripture, let, let it be said of us that we are bound to thank God always for you as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds. And one final thought about how faith develops. It's just like a muscle. In that for a muscle to grow, you have to put tension on it. And it kind of, you know, kind of tears the fibers somewhat and then fibers grow, new fibers grow and they get bigger or and stronger. And so faith is going to be tested. Faith will be tested. Amen. But when your faith is tested, it just grows. Class, what happens when your faith is tested? Come on, class. What happens when you what happens to your faith when your faith is tested? It grows. So don't get weary when challenges and I mean, I'm in a big trial right now going with dad and helping dad. Out. It's a huge challenge, but we're seeing faith growing and and the love is getting deeper and deeper. Amen. Because they work together and God has already given us faith and love. Father, thank you for this time in the word today. Thank you for these thoughts and words as it pertains, Lord God, to our health, spirit, soul, and body. 